listening to the AT Tapes, a podcast from the Journal of Athletic Training. The goal of this podcast is to interview researchers and clinicians on current topics facing athletic trainers and discuss how we can utilize best practices to improve patient outcomes. My name is Lizzie Hibbard, and I will be your host for this podcast. I am a faculty member in the athletic training program at the University of Alabama, and I have a research interest in shoulder and elbow injury prevention in youth overhead athletes. You can follow me on Twitter at E.E. Hibbard. Before getting started on today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone that all content from JAT is open access, meaning it is free of charge to all readers thanks to funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. In today's episode, we have Dr. Ashley Marshall from Appalachian State University and Dr. Kenny Lamb from AT Still University joining us to discuss the use of patient report outcomes in clinical practice, and specifically their article in the JAT titled Patient Reported Outcome Measures in Sports Medicine, a Concise Resource for Clinicians and Researchers. Ashley and Kenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So before we get started with the discussion of patient report outcomes, I would like to ask both Ashley and Kenny to introduce themselves and discuss their career progression. So Ashley, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your educational background and career progression? Sure. So I started out as a high school athlete uh, up in New York who was generally interested in sports medicine but didn't know which path to take, as I think most high school students um, experience. And so I went from there to Lynchburg College, which is now the University of Lynchburg in Virginia, where I was a women's soccer and women's lacrosse athlete and majored in athletic training. And I figured that was a field that would really connect what I was interested about and kind of be a springboard for um, my future career. Um, So while I was there, I tore my ACL and worked closely with my athletic trainer during the rehab process, which really solidified my interest in the profession. Um, And then from there, I went to the University of Virginia for my master's degree and went on to work clinically at the University of Florida following that with the swimming and diving team. So while at Florida, I realized that I had a passion for research and teaching and wanted to pursue some sort of doctoral degree and went back to UVA for my PhD, uh, where I worked under Sue Saliba and focused on characterizing and correcting faulty movement patterns at the knee. Uh, Towards the end of my last year, I realized that I wanted to focus my long-term research interest line on uh, athletic training practice at the point of care or at, you know, the point where athletic trainers are providing services to patients. And that led me to a postdoctoral fellowship with uh, Kenny in practice-based research at AT Steele University. And then throughout the process, I've been working with USA Swimming as a clinician and research coordinator, which gives me kind of some perspective as a a clinician who still practices. Well, great. Thank you for giving us that information. We're glad you're on the podcast today. So Kenny, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background and career progression? Uh, Yeah. So I think like many athletic trainers, a combination of sports and medicine really appealed to me uh, in terms of identifying a career path. And I think as I got into more of my formal education, my clinical rotations, I really enjoyed making connections with the patients and being able to impact their lives in a meaningful way. So um, I completed my bachelor's of science in athletic training at Boston University, 
And then I stayed an extra year to serve as a graduate assistant within our club sports department while completing my master's of education. And after that, I practiced clinically for a bit of time at Rutgers University in New Jersey before heading back to Boston University for my doctor of science. And very similar to what uh, Ashley just stated, after I completed my doctorate, I, I went to AT Steele University to complete a uh, postdoctoral research fellowship, um, in this case, with an emphasis on patient-oriented research. Um, and I've been at AT Still now for nine years and currently serve as an associate professor there. Great. Well, thank you guys both for the introductions and uh, the work that you guys do to really move forward patient care. Because a lot of the work that you guys are doing, like you mentioned, is on really the at the point of care. Um, and that's very usable to clinicians. And I think that um, this article that we're going to talk about today um, is another example of that. So as we get into really talking about patient report outcome measures, I do want to highlight that the article will be linked in the show notes. And we'll talk about a lot of the information from the article today, but there is a lot of information in there and it's a really great resource. So um, make sure that as you're listening to this, if you have access to the article that you can use it. Um, if you're driving, don't do that. But uh, if you, if not, uh, uh, print it out and have it in your athletic training room for you to use at some point. So let's talk a little bit uh, as we get started here about what exactly patient reported outcome measures are and why they should be used in clinical practice. Patient reported outcomes are essentially questionnaires or surveys completed by the patient um, to capture current health status. More specifically, the aim of these measures is to understand how an injury uh, condition or illness is impacting the patient from the patient's perspective. And that impact can exist on a number of levels. It could be due to pain, function, um, its impact on quality of life. So patient-reported outcome measures are tools that we use um, to capture the patient's perspective, and it could play an integral role in some of our global patient care goals, uh, such as providing patient-centered whole-person health care, identifying the effectiveness of interventions following an injury or illness, and also identifying practice gaps for quality improvement efforts. So can you give us a few examples of specific patient report outcome measures that are commonly used in athletic training or in an athletic population? Yeah, so I think the most commonly recognized patient reported outcome would probably be the foot and ankle ability measure or the FAM. Uh, that has been widely used in athletic training research um, and ankle research in general. And I think it's something that um, is commonly recognized uh, within the profession. Uh, but there are a whole number of patient-reported outcomes out there, which actually makes the whole selection process uh, a bit more complica complicated. Uh, and that's why we, we chose to kind of um, conduct this study. So just a few logistical questions about patient report outcome measures. Um, can you talk a little bit about the cost of these, uh, or if there's a cost, the amount of time that it takes? Um, for many of these, since the delivery method of how they're usually taken? Most patient-reported outcome measures, uh, particularly the ones that we identified in this review, uh, do not come with a cost. There are select few out there that do uh, uh, come with a cost, but generally speaking, if you're utilizing a patient-reported outcome for patient care purposes, um, it typically does not, is not associated with any cost. If, for example, you're utilizing um, a generic measure called the short form 
for research purposes, then you could incur costs. But in general, most of the patient report outcomes that we come in contact with do not cost anything to the clinician. So as we think about delivery of these and how athletic trainers utilize these, or if athletic trainers utilize these, can you talk about how other healthcare professions utilize these and how this compares with maybe the rates or the um, amount of athletic trainers that are using them clinically? Sure. So in terms of delivery or the use, um, typically we utilize patient reported outcome measures, or I would say historically patient reported outcome measures have been used uh, via paper form. I think as technology has advanced, uh, we see now the patient report outcome measures can be implemented using spreadsheet software such as Excel, as well as um, just technology and computers in general. And if we're kind of comparing the usage of patient report outcomes in athletic training, uh, we conducted a previous study that was published in 2019, looking at the general percentage of athletic trainers who use patient reported outcomes uh, routinely, and we, we have a percentage of basically 20 to 26% of athletic trainers utilizing patient reporting outcomes on a routine basis. Now, while that is relatively low, it's actually pretty comparable to other healthcare disciplines such as uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, in these disciplines, uh, the, the usage rate is a bit higher. I think the estimated rate is about 30 to 40 percent. But when we see challenges related to the implementation of these measures at a larger scale, um, some of the barriers that they face are very similar to the ones that we face in athletic training. So could you talk a little bit about those barriers and why athletic trainers or even other health, health professions don't use these routinely? Sure. There are a variety of reasons. Some are very distinct and others are, I would call them interrelated. So, for example, based on some of the previous findings from our group, the lack of time and also the lack of organizational support are two reasons ATs don't use patient-reported outcomes. But I would argue that those two are somewhat related to one another in that if ATs have more organizational support, they likely have more time to utilize these uh, patient-reported outcome measures. But we also know that the lack of knowledge of patient-reported outcomes can also be a barrier Uh, So previous findings have also stated that 70 to 90% of ATs were unfamiliar with very uh, commonly reported patient-reported outcomes in the literature, which led us to basically the purpose of the study that we're discussing today. So you've already alluded to this and mentioned this. Can you guys talk a little bit about the purpose of this project and really what you hope, how you hope the findings from this project will be used by clinicians? Sure. So as Kenny just stated, we know that that athletic trainers typically don't have a, a lot of knowledge about these patient-reported outcome measures and how to use them and what to use them for. So we wanted to write a paper to provide clinicians, researchers, and educators with an overview of the most commonly used patient-reported outcome measures. So if they, if they see them in clinical practice or if they see another healthcare provider using one, they'll know what the purpose of uh, the purpose was to use that and what the intention was, but then also some of the other um, commonly used issues surrounding them that that might impact patient care. Uh, Our hope was to do most of the heavy lifting or most of the research surrounding these measures by 
going through the literature, going through the research, and reviewing the patient-reported outcome measures so that ATs or athletic trainers don't have to do it on their own. Uh, since it is to, so time-consuming, and we know that that was one of the barriers uh, for ATs utilizing these measures. Uh, and so we're hoping that that the paper, a paper like this, will encourage the use of these measures and, and improve uh, the use in AT clinical practice and within our profession. So I'm going to ask a relatively large question here, um, and I, Kenny alluded to this earlier too, that there's a lot of patient report outcomes out there. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can assess things and a lot of ones that have been created, and you guys really pared this down to a select few. Um, can you talk about how you selected the patient report outcomes and how you decided um, what to include? Sure. So in short, the the measures used in the study were identified in a previous study that that Kenny had just mentioned um, that was published in 2019, where we asked ATs who routinely use patient-reported outcome measures to list the measures or the surveys that they do use. Uh, We then took that list from the 2019 study and went through and identified any outcome measures that were endorsed by at least 10% of the ATs to try to get to the most commonly utilized uh, questionnaires or surveys. Um, So we ended up with 26 unique patient-reported outcome measures. 17 were region-specific, and so what we mean by that is we had 10 lower-extremity-focused measures, 7 upper-extremity-focused measures, and those are are measures that typically focus on that specific body region. Um, So, for example, Kenny mentioned the foot and ankle ability measure is specific to the foot and ankle. We also had six generic measures. And those are measures that focus more on global constructs like health-related quality of life. Uh, And examples of those are the short form 36 and the disablement of the physically active scale. And then we have three single item measures, which uh, are measures that include only one question. And so the most uh, recognizable single item measure is likely the numeric pain rating scale. In this project, you all went through and made wonderful charts about these various uh, patient report outcome measures and um, evaluated them on different criteria to help the clinicians understand, one, what the goal of this is, but also some of the characteristics about um, the measure itself. Can you talk a little bit about those criteria that you used in the evaluation of the patient report outcomes um, and how this information can be useful to clinicians in deciding which ones to use? We essentially use the same criteria to evaluate the patient reported outcome measures that is supported by, by best practice. Uh, we group these components into two general categories um, called instrument essentials and clinical utility. So instrument essentials includes components that are vital to the overall soundness of the patient reported outcome measure. And that includes things like reliability, validity, and responsiveness. And then clinical utility are components that are specific to the clinician and the patient care environment. And those include things like acceptability, uh, examples are time to complete by the patient, or the readability, uh, the reading level that the patient would need to be able to complete the measure. Feasibility, such as time to score, costs associated with use. And as as Kenny mentioned, we didn't have many measures that had a cost associated with that. Most were free. And appropriateness, such as the intended use for the uh, measure in a specific patient population. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of information included in these charts, and you just discussed what those criteria are. So in this episode, we're not going to go through all of the results. So um, I would encourage everyone to take a look at those charts and think about how those apply into your clinical practice. 
But I do want to ask you all to sort of provide a summary of your conclusions after this evaluation process of these patient report outcome measures that we use, and maybe where are the strengths and where are their weaknesses and room for improvement uh, for us and, and especially as athletic trainers in clinical practice. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of information. And I think table one would be great for clinicians to take a look at because the the purpose of that table is really just to summarize what was included in each measure. And then the tables that follow really expanded upon that. But in general, the patient-reported outcome measures included in the study demonstrated appropriate instrument essential properties and appropriate clinical utility for use by athletic trainers, which is really great. Um, that tells us that the ones that the patient report outcome measures that clinicians are utilizing have good properties to them. The general weakness of these measures is that they're in, ge- in general, they're not developed for our specific patient population. So there's definitely work to be done there in terms of development of future outcome measures that relate to ath- athletically or recreationally active populations. And then an issue that, um, may be included is ceiling effects where a patient may report a perfect score but still suffer from deficits. And that's really related to um, that weakness I just mentioned where a, an outcome measure might be developed for someone in the general population uh, where their deficits are uh, you know, maybe at a lower level. But as athletes, they may have a higher ceiling or um, a need to perform uh, at a at a higher level, and so we might not be able to capture some of those maybe small deficits in the the measures that we're currently using. So the, a way around that might be the use of single item measures uh, with a multi item measure, because the single item measures can kind of serve as an anchor for us. And I will add to that in that in terms of weaknesses, uh, one thing that we did in the study was really just look from a instrument essential standpoint was the instrument developed from a systematic process. Do they have uh, values related to things like reliability, validity, responsiveness? However, those values actually can change based off of the patient population. And there is research to suggest that highly functional, highly active young individuals like the patients that we typically see may constitute as its own uh, patient population. So that's something to keep in mind as we move forward. Um, While we stated that the patient reported outcome measures that we looked at in this study have really good or at least appropriate instrument essentials, as we need to fine tune it to our patient populations, there there are a lot of efforts related to research and um, establishing these measures specifically for our patient populations, a lot more research to be done. So you guys have both talked about the need for either replication of some of these studies and identifying um, uh, norms uh, or, or values within the athletic population, but also maybe some new patient report outcome measures specific to um, athletic individuals. And so could you guys talk a little bit about what the process is for developing new patient report outcome measures and how clinicians can be involved in this developmental process? Sure. I think one of the misconceptions in terms of patient report outcome measures is that it's it's essentially a survey that someone could potentially produce in an afternoon and just kind of put some uh, questions together and call it patient report outcome measure. But that is not at all how you would actually develop a patient report outcome measure. It is a time intensive process, and there is a systematic way by which to develop patient report outcomes outcome measures. 
including the, the ability to actually come up and generate items um, for the measure. And that usually involves not only the researcher, but experts in the field, clinicians, patients. Um, and then from there on, you have to test whether or not these items are actually good items in terms of capturing constructs such as quality of life. And the next step from there is to do an item reduction um, analysis, which allows you to go from, say, 100 questions to something more manageable, like 15 to 20 questions. And once you have that final list of um, items, then you can start establishing uh, measurement properties such as reliability, validity, responsiveness. And throughout that whole process, you need the input of clinicians, um, and you also need the clinicians to help um, collect data, particularly from real-life patients. Uh, you can't get to these measurement properties without uh, those parties being involved. And I'll add to that that it's important for uh, clinicians, researchers, educators to know that any modifications to the patient-reported outcome measures might affect the instrument essentials like, to, like the reliability, validity, and responsiveness. So uh, the outcome measure, when it goes through that development process, is intended to be used as written. And when we modify those uh, measures, we could be affecting the instrument essentials, which is uh, really important in terms of how we utilize the measures and the information that we take away from them. So thank you for giving this overview of your paper and, and highlighting some previous research that's been done on patient report outcome measures. Can you guys give us some best practice guidelines for utilization of patient report outcome measures in clinical practice? Sure. So I've been in this area for a better part of uh, 10 years. And when I started kind of down this path related to patient report outcome measures, I think our group's basic best practice was that we should be utilizing both region-specific and generic measures for each patient. Um, that The reason being is because region-specific measures often allow us to capture very small but important changes at the body region level. Uh, but then the generic measure allows us to look at the person from a more global perspective, um, again, in terms of things like quality of life. Uh, but over the years, our thinking on that has really changed. I think um, now getting a better understanding of the common barriers related to time and lack of support, um, I've kind of changed my recommendation. And then I've been encouraging clinicians to really actually start with just the use of single item measures first. These are measures, again, that are just one item. And so the most commonly recognized single item measure, I would say, in athletic training is the numeric pain rating scale. And so on the scale from zero to 10, what is your current pain level? Um, and so these single item measures really don't take all that much time. And you can actually ask the patient that question on the fly. You don't need them to sit down and actually complete a survey. So um, my general, again, recommendation is to start there um, and, and to kind of build momentum. I think change is really hard and it makes it a bit easier to change when you have some momentum behind you. And so. Uh, my current standing right now is to start with a single item measure on a small group of patients, let's say all patients with an ankle injury, and then build momentum from there before expanding out to, say, other patients. And once you kind of refine the process by which you collect these outcome measures within your own practice, because each clinical practice has its own unique challenges, uh, so it, it requires each athletic trainer to kind of refine that process for each uh, clinical practice site. 
So once that processor is refined, <laughs> then you can move on to the multi-item measures such as the global, uh, such as the region-specific measures and the generic measures. And then we just repeat that process until you have uh, a process by which you're, you're, you're collecting both region-specific and generic measures. And I think also having a kind of an infrastructure in place with what you're going to do with the data. And so you, especially with these multi-item measures, um, which I agree with Kenny to, to start with single item measures, but with both, you you get a lot of data out of uh, when you collect that information. And so I think figuring out um, how you're going to store that, whether it's electronically or on paper, and then what you're going to do with that information. So how might that impact your clinical practice, uh, return to play decisions, return to sport decisions, um, just your general uh, rehab and patient care process and um, trying to use that information to help the patients and to improve, uh, improve their care. So thank you for highlighting those points. And I think you guys really um, discussed this there at the end is that it's not just about collecting the data. It's about using it somehow and coming up with a process for how you're going to use it and if, how you're going to present it to coaches or administrators or what, uh, what you're going to do with it next. Uh, and oftentimes the hard part is getting the data. Um, but, you know, don't forget once you have the data that you have a lot of power in that and to, to use it to, um, promote the messages that need to be um, promoted to help our athletes. Absolutely. And I, I would also add to that um, and just say to people who are kind of new to this area, but are highly motivated to utilize patient report outcome measures. I think one of the things that uh, should be considered is just to reach out to people who have been using them. And those people might be clinicians, they may be researchers, um, but just to kind of get an idea of how to utilize these measures uh, most appropriately and most effectively, uh, and then just being able to basically bounce ideas off of when they're, you know, I've collected all, all these data, what do I do with them? Uh, I think there are resources within that profession that can help um, everyone. As we finish up this episode, I'm going to ask each of you to provide your take-home message on utilization of patient report outcome measures in athletic training and how the information discussed today could be used to impact clinical practice. Ashley, let's start with you. Sure. I think utilizing patient-reported outcome measures will give clinicians, researchers, educators a different perspective. It will help to ensure that we're providing patient-centered care. And so I think being smart and starting small, like Kenny mentioned, um, and choosing measures that make sense for your patient population uh, so if you're at a high school population, making sure that the measures are appropriate for you. If you're at a college, making sure that the measures are appropriate for you. Um, and then utilizing that information in your daily practice. So reflecting on it um, and utilizing that and, and allowing that to impact your patient care. Thank you. And Kenny, now we'll get your take-home message. Yeah, I think patient-reported outcomes is something that now is a common um, concept in athletic training is highlighted in our educational standards. So it's not, they're not going away. Um, so we really need to focus on how to better implement these at the point of care. I think teamwork is going to be integral in terms of having clinician educators and researchers talk about the challenges, talk about the barriers, and then also develop strategies to address them. Um, and then I will just reiterate, I think starting small is the best way to start. Um, so if you can even just ask one single item 
um, outcome measure or uh, sorry. So if you could just ask one single item measure to each of your patients, that's at least a start. And I think that's highly doable just because they don't take very much time to complete. And again, you don't need a piece of paper to do it. Um, so start small, build momentum and expand out and then ask people for help when you need it. Thank you both very much. I appreciate you all joining us today and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for the work that you do to improve our profession and most importantly, patient care. I hope you all found this podcast informative and that you can utilize the clinical recommendations to improve patient care. That's it for today's The AT Tapes. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please follow the Journal of Athletic Training on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JAT underscore NATA on all three platforms. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join us for next month's episode of the AT Tapes. Thank you.